Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hey, friend. So great to be having coffee with you again. This episode, I am so excited about. I love all of my guests, but this one is so near and dear to my heart. I met two amazing sisters who also were roommates in New York and also both happened to be on Broadway at the same time. Melissa was in Les Miserables and Madison was in Cats. Uh, As many of you know, I was also touring at different points in my New York journey across the United States to 43 different states and uh, nearly every province of Canada with the national tours of Beauty and the Beast and The Wizard of Oz. So the three of us have a great chat about keeping your faith as a Catholic in the arts. This topic is one of the most frequently requested topics, so it's going to be a good one. Quick life update. My daughter, Anora, is still in the NICU. If you are a regular listener to my show, perhaps you have read my blog. If not, you can follow the link in the show notes to go ahead and catch up on the crazy saga of my life since January. Um, Honestly, this has been the hardest journey I think I've ever been on before. So loving and supporting her has taken our family actually out of our home. We have transferred to living with my parents um, so that we can be closer to her at a a hospital that allows for more specialized care for her very complicated medical needs. She's having surgery March 16th, which is the day this episode's being released. So please pray. Prayer is not bound by time. So you can pray anytime, even after the surgery has already happened. And I think God knows how to retroactively apply that. So please pray for my sweet little newborn, my sweet little preemie. She was born eight weeks premature. She has uh, brain damage. She has a cerebral palsy diagnosis, and she's been having a lot of GI tract issues. So hopefully this surgery is going to fix them so that we can go home. My goal is to be home by Easter. But for now, you know, we're just we're just getting through it and we're just hoping to get our girl home. I do want to tell you though that the God's Adventure Awaits pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2022 is still on. It is still happening. So, so, so excited to invite you to come with me to the Holy Land. I get that there are a lot of Holy Land pilgrimages to choose from, but this one is totally unique. No matter what stage of life you're in, you are going to learn how to set and achieve realistic and sustainable goals. You're going to sharpen your skills to make any life choice with purpose, with passion, and with peace. I know that we're all crazy busy. We are all just striving to have an authentic life. And so often it's really hard in all the noise and all the bustle to just really focus on what's important and let go of what's not important. So one of the things that I'm so excited to bring you with this pilgrimage is a program that's really going to help you step outside your normal life, travel to the places where Jesus walked, hear his voice in new ways, and help understand your deeper purpose so that when you come back, you'll take that transformation into your daily life and be able to order your life in the way that God intended for you. My program is based on the timeless wisdom of the saints and the rich discernment tradition of the Catholic Church. And we're going to process all of these big, 
big concepts together in a loving and supportive community, and we're going to form new and amazing friendships. I cannot wait to sip a cocktail with you looking out over the Sea of Galilee. So I just invite you to discern it by going to stacysummerow.com slash pilgrimage, and you better believe I will be linking to that in the show notes. Spots are filling up. I don't want you to miss out. Please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions, and I will get you hooked up right away to get you on pilgrimage. Also, I want to let you know real quick about today's episode sponsor, which is the Hallow app. So if you're like me, you just cannot finish a novena. You just can't finish a devotional. You sit down and you're like, oh, I can't get through this. Consecrations are a struggle. If you are like me, you need accountability. You need to set goals. You need to actually have a structure to your prayer. And the Hallow app is an amazing, amazing way to do that. There is always lots of permanently free content on the app, but if you use the code hallow.com slash Stacey Summerow, if you go to that, that link rather, not a code, you are going to be able to get a premium 30 day free trial. So this is access to over 500 recorded sessions. You can also set yourself prayer goals each week. You can pray along with the community. You can get reminders. It's amazing. It's such a great way to schedule your prayer time, actually make sure that you do it and to more effectively connect with God. So when you use that link that I gave you, which I'm going to put in the show notes as well, it also helps support my show called Encaffeinated. So I hope you'll consider just giving it a pr- the premium version of free trial. See if you like it. You got nothing to lose. So let's get to my episode now with Madison and Melissa. Madison and Melissa, it is so great to have you on Called Encaffeinated. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having Yay. us. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. What are you guys drinking? <laughs> I do, I've been doing iced coffee like all summer in Southern California. So I've made some iced coffee at my mom's cool coffee machine. Yeah. So I did. What kind um, of machine does she have? Oh my God. Do you know what that brand is? Uh, it's a ninja brand. Ninja brand. It's really cool. There's wow. an over ice brew option. So I think wow. I've pretty much been doing it every day since I got back, like in, mm-hmm. in March or April. That's yeah. incredible. Cause that's always the problem for me with making my own iced coffee is like, I, I want it now. I don't want to wait for it refrigerated. Yeah, I know. Awesome. Or have it like yeah. watered down or whatever, but this is great. Just some like milk and agave to sweeten and it's great yeah i love it so you're in so you're in socal so it's like yeah. 70 70 degrees is that what you said yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah nice amazing nice, nice fall day oh well aren't you lucky <laughs> it's, real, it's good We're yeah great. actually it's 70, it's 70 here today in southern and uh southern nice. virginia no northern virginia nice. where am i where am i <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Melissa, are you, are you drinking anything? Yeah, I am. I have, uh, so our parents' house has multiple uh, coffee options. Oh but my, my husband is passionate about espresso, <laughs> so he made me a latte for the occasion. So I've got a nice little latte here, which is fun. So it's usually like our Saturday treat or something, but he made me a latte on our, my mom has a cool little espresso machine. So where it foams the milk and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> I Super love fun. those. I oh, we had one until it broke, and I think that's going to be my Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> another espresso machine. Yeah, Perfect. please, awesome. So, what yeah. calls have you received from God in your life so far, and what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? Yeah. Are we just going to keep deferring to the others? Yeah, whichever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I guess calls of um, I think of calls as like where I've been led, as far as like where to live, as well as 
schooling and also artistry and vocation. So um, I think I've been called into performing, um, which is what we do. It's what I, it's my career at this point, musical theater, um, being called to that. Um, I'm a sister as well. Like, I know that's mm. just like how uh, I, you know, I have no choice in that matter, but I'm a middle sister. <laughs> but like, you love it. <laughs> I'm a younger sister and I'm an older sister. So I've been called to that. Uh, nice. Also called to live in New York uh, for the past five and a half years, currently in quarantine. I'm just starting to accept the fact that I might be being called to live here, which is in California, and uh, trying to figure out what that means for me. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Not permanently, or, you know, I still have my apartment in New York, but not sure where I'm being called currently. <laughs> or just trying to be in the present moment of like, just called to be here today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know you're not alone in that. There's so many people yeah. who are in that difficult situation in the performing arts. It's really yeah. tricky. Yeah. It's a very a big question mark for a lot of people in the country right now. So mm-hmm. um, trying to live in that question mark, as it were. And then um, and they just called me to be a daughter of God, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, our faith has nice. been uh, taught to us by our parents and encouraged and practiced in our family. And um, yeah, so that's awesome. and, and called to a, a single life right now. And then wherever God calls me from there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Melissa? Yeah, and so, you know, a lot like Madison, kind of uh, discerning through childhood and then um, the high school years of this call to being an artist, just having this passion and love for theater. Mm -hmm. And so that always being, I started doing theater when I was eight and was, you know, bit by the bug, as they say, (laughs) and just kind of never looked back as far as what I wanted to pursue. It was just such a love. And Mm -hmm. I remember... um, So I think it was, I was probably about 20 and I had always planned to move to New York City and had this summer where I was at home in California and kind of preparing to uh, figure out plans to move to New York City and kind of felt this, um, at the time I had come to know this really wonderful community at like a Protestant non-denominational church in our area and was at this like evening of prayer and they had Um, they did this kind of prayerful discerning exercise of like surrender. So they had like this bonfire and planks of wood and you were, they had you like kind of prayerfully discern. What are you, what is God calling you to like surrender in your life right now? Hmm. What are you possibly clinging to too tightly? That's his. And so I remember like having this like burning in my heart, like I have to write down musical theater. I was like, it's so hard to surrender that. And obviously that's why I needed to, um, Yes. So it's kind of this beautiful moment of like, okay, wow. God, I get you're calling me to it. And of course, it's a good thing. Our passions are good things, but always, um, always placing them before God and asking him to, to be the one who's really guiding us into them. So, mm. um, so I remember writing the wood bird. Yeah. 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 Oh <laughs> my God. I remember writing like, he's going to be there. I like putting it in the bonfire. Okay. Um, and then three years later, she was on Broadway. So I guess this so, so awesome. worked out. <laughs> well, then, yeah. No, I, that's but such a blessing. No, such no, a blessing. But there I was something beautiful. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, what was beautiful about it was just like, okay, it is, it is hard. You know, as 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 God is calling us, like you said, the calls in your life, mm-hmm. um, to always kind of like offer them back to Him. And mm-hmm. when you are like walking in in His journey for you, there's just such a beautiful like He opens these doors. And so after that, there mm-hmm. was I did go out to New York City and 
got some callbacks for things. I booked um, another job and just kind of felt like, okay, God, like we're doing this. We're doing this. Like he's like, yeah, go, go my little, go my little bird, fly free in New York City. Um, Anyway, so I do kind of remember that as like a specific moment. And then more recently in my life, that was, that was several years ago now and um, a decade ago. (laughs) And now I am. It's just been beautiful to continually discern yeah. my call. And of course, being an artist is still very central to it. Um, but the the most beautiful call um, my life, which is being called to marriage um, with my husband, Stephen, and um, and then being called to have children. We have mm-hmm. one child and one in the womb. Um, so it's just Yay. beautiful to then discern <laughs> together. He's an artist as well. And so... Um, we actually just were listening to our, um, our homily from our wedding. We, uh, we just celebrated our mm. second, uh, anniversary. And so we decided we should listen to it every year to remind ourselves. Oh, yeah. What, like, Father John That's Paul a good said. idea. So, yeah. yeah. It was really, it was my husband's idea. I was like, he's like, I think we should listen to it. I was like, that's great. Love it. Let's do it. Yeah. And he talked so heavily in our homily about mission and your mission, um, entering mm. into your vocation of marriage, what that looks like as a married couple. And, and yeah. how, you know, he said in there, he said, this is not something that anyone can tell you, but you discover with God as you go. And so we're in a constant, of course, like discerning of our, our mission as artists, what that looks like in our marriage. Of course, um, the calls that all married couples have, which is to lead each other to heaven. And then, of mm. course, um, be stewards and um, parents of the, the children that God blesses you with. So. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. exciting journey. There have been lots of turns and shifts along the way. We live in California now, so that was kind of an unexpected. We moved back to California this year. Um, so like Madison said, where are you called to, you know, right in this moment, this day? Mm-hmm. And God um, always has surprises up his sleeve. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Melissa, I love that you surrendered your career to God at age 20 because... <laughs> I look back now and if there's one thing that I could do differently about my 20s, it would be to surrender my career to God because I I always say this in my talk when I give talks about discerning God's will. I always say like my prayer life was basically like, okay, God, um, I want to do this thing. And if you don't want me to do it, um, just send a lightning bolt. Otherwise, I really want this. I I know. I know. That's the the passion of your heart. I totally understand. Right? Like it's a natural thing to hold on to that and a natural thing to cling on to that. But it reminds me of, you know, they always say it's a bit of a like overused thing, but they always say like, if you love someone, let them go. go. And to love is to let go. And it's true. Like you're the, the very, the things that you most want in your life are exactly the things like you said that you need to surrender to God. And so finally, when I did start surrendering my artistry to him, it was like, I would go in the chapel and I would do so many ugly cries because this priest gave me this prayer of surrender. And it was like, it changed my life. I mean, it changes it. It um, handed over every part of your life to God. Um, actually, yeah, I just wrote beautiful. a surrender prayer for artists. Oh, that's oh, cool. I'd love to pray. I, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I will send it to you guys. That's taking a big... I'd love to pray. You'd love to pray. have to surrender everything new like you know you surrender every child that you have and you surrender every um your spouse and every relationship and it's like ongoing 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 but like what's really cool is the return on that has is Mm -hmm. so huge and what Mm -hmm. a cool thing like i think um 
when I knew you, when you were doing Les Mis on Broadway, mm-hmm. and when we met in New York, there was such a sense of peace about you and mm-hmm. such a you. sense of mission as well. And I think, you know, that can only come when there is surrender because you're not, you've mm-hmm. surrendered it to God and you've said, if you want me to have this, I will, you know, I'll accept whatever your will is. And then when yeah. he does give it back to you, you can just move forward with such confidence. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the way to go. Yeah. That's I love so that. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I love that. So I actually um, didn't send this question to you in advance, Melissa, but this is a big question from a lot of ladies. I think it's more for Melissa than Madison, although I'd love to hear both your thoughts on it. Um, a lot of ladies I know will talk about the struggle of being an artist full time as well as um, then transitioning to motherhood. And there's a fear because everyone will tell maybe not everyone, but a lot of people will tell you that you can't do theater professionally or like your life has to change. You have to give up your passion in order to be a mother. What is that journey like for you? And how does, you know, how do you remain fulfilled as an artist and a mom? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really valid to be, afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think what the kind of foundational disposition has to be is a trust in God and knowing that he knows you better than you know yourself. And Mm -hmm. he will give you what will fulfill you most. Mm -hmm. Um, And so right now in my life, I am in a period actually since I got engaged and married and had my daughter, I haven't been on a stage performing. I have been, um, well, it's, it's different than performing, but I've been doing music ministry with my husband. Mm-hmm. So kind of in this mm-hmm. time where I, and I was actually very welcoming of that, of that break from it at that point in my life, because I had been doing a long running show for quite a while and it had reached like three years with my lady's journey, which was such a beautiful journey. And it felt very much like, okay, like, passing to the torch to the, the people who will go into that show and will keep it, keep the story alive. And I felt like my time with it had very much come to an end. And there was a piece about that and an excitement about moving into kind of this next chapter of my life where I was then. And what was beautiful about that is I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know when will I be on a stage next? When will I get to sing in front of people next? All these things that mm-hmm. I do love to do. I love telling a story through music. And, um, that's, what's awesome about God is like he gave me, um, in my husband, a man who, uh, through our relationship, we were able to do music and, um, and I was, I was stepping into music ministry, which was something I had actually never done before. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. process for me and that, like how that grew me in my faith in a different way than, um, then at that point I had in theaters specifically was a gift that I needed at that time. It was just something that God blessed me with that I, I didn't see coming. And, um, so even now I would say, um, it is, I think a matter of like trying to balance and figure out what it looks like. And, um, you know, my daughter, just a little over a year old, mm-hmm. um, of course, just, I, I want to be with her, spend time with her. And it is hard to find times to kind of like, it can be difficult. It can, you do kind of have to work towards like a balance. And I, I don't know that I'm quite in this place where I'm like, oh yeah, I like have all these creative yeah. things, but, but I'm not yeah. feeling a lack at the same time either. So I think mm-hmm. kind of in those moments, like if God wants to kind of bring something to my heart and like, hey, Melissa, I kind of want you to, mm-hmm. to do this. Um, he can, and he does. And actually like, recently 
and it was for the Be Not Afraid conference, I like wrote a song and that was not something I really like set out to do. But all of a sudden, just in this moment, it was like I was in the shower because that's like my prayer thinking time. And God was like, here's a song. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like that just kind of like happened and it happened really fast. But I think why it happened fast is because God's like, I know you're a mom and you're giving like you don't have all this time. And so I'm going to give this too fast. Like I'm going to I want you to do this. And it was, it was a really beautiful experience. And then just recently it again, I mean, I think kind of carving out these spaces of time, um, for your own uh, prayer life, obviously first, but a lot of times with that, I think the creativity can come in those times Mm -hmm. of prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, and it seems like so far, I think there's a lot more for me to learn about this, but I, so far, I feel like God's just kind of giving me little, like, I'm going to give you this little pocket of time and I'm going to kind of just, um, I don't know have this creative session with you. It's like me and God. Mm. Okay. What what are we doing now creatively? Um, I love it. So it's something I'm still very actively learning, but I guess what I would, what I would tell um, people in that fear is just to, to surrender (laughs) it. Like we're going to, you know, surrender Um, and trust that God does know you well. And I have been so beautifully blessed by stepping into the commitment of marriage, the covenant of marriage, mm-hmm. by um, having, you know, having my daughter and now being pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And all of that is only going to enrich my creativity because you speak mm-hmm. from your experience. So what Absolutely. I will be able to create from there is going to come from these experiences that I have that God has designed me for. Like these are things yeah. that he is like, these are gifts I've given you, Melissa, specifically. Yeah. So just trusting that like he knows like each of us as a daughter and son so well um, mm-hmm. that he will only guide us into what is best for us. And as artists, yeah. he will always kind of provide those opportunities. I love that. You did such a beautiful job with the Take Courage song for the Be Not Afraid conference. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I don't think I could take credit for it because I really feel like the Holy Spirit was just like, then do this. Then do I was like, okay, that's, I don't know. Yeah, that's how I feel about the entire Be Not Afraid conference experience. <laughs> People are like, how did you do that? I'm like, I don't think I did. Like, we don't no, think that I did. Like, it was, was like, God was like, go do this, now do this. And I'm like, but you have just, that. I mean, you just had that like amazing. docility to him and like, okay, yes, yes, yes. Surrender. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, all right, we're doing it. So, yeah, it, well, it, it, it I mean, it has, that conference had such beautiful wings and such like, yeah, that is a memory that will stay with me forever. And when I heard that song that you wrote, I just, I remember just shedding tears of joy. And now that we're in this crazy and divisive and insane election season, yeah. I'm singing that song again, oh, because it is yeah. so, it's scary yeah. to think about where our country's potentially going and right. so forth. So it's, it's a song that I'm going to take with me through my whole life. I'll link to it in the show notes because I feel like it's no less oh. relevant now oh. than it was back in March. Possibly oh. even more because the craziness has not subsided. Right. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> the fear, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of yeah. confusion, and, and I just of, think God yeah. was like, "My child, like mm-hmm. I'm here," you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm glad to so hear it. Good. I felt that and I hope people feel that. So good. And when I was hearing you speak, I I also felt like there was a part of me that remembered like when I was considering leaving New York and when I Mm -hmm. was, when I found out I was pregnant and when I was, you know, considering marriage, there was a part of me that was like, oh, so you're going to give up on your dreams. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not an authentic voice. That's not the voice of God. No, that's, it's that's not the voice totally, of the evil one. It is. Uh, the devil backs you into a corner and makes you yeah. think that your life has to look this one specific way or mm-hmm. else it's not good enough. Yeah. The same thing with like making it on Broadway. There was a time in my mm-hmm. life where it was like, if you don't get on Broadway, you are not good enough mm-hmm. and you have failed wow. and you're just not good enough as a person. And like mm-hmm. what a pressure just to like, put on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just, those are just lies. Those are yeah. flat out lies, but it's exactly. so, I mean, it's, it's easy to have someone else say it and go, that's a lie. Like, don't, don't believe yes. that for a second. Like, and, but it's, yeah. it's a whole other thing when it's, it's that voice in our head. That's so hard. Absolutely. Especially, and I see this with a lot of people because I have a lot of people who are studying musical theater who would love to be doing what you guys have done and what what I did in New York. And a lot of them have this kind of mentality consciously or subconsciously that like if they're putting all this money, they're putting all this time and this effort into this career, they're moving their entire lives and this is their passion and they need to prove themselves. And it's definitely, it's just such pressure to, to put on yourself because even you guys can attest to this as an artist in New York City, like I went six months without booking a show when I first moved there. I booked my first audition ever. I mean, and that's amazing. And then, like that like, six months, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it feels like forever, but it's not like, yeah. Right. So yeah. even as an artist in New York city, you're not constantly creating. And this right. is where I think the lie is like when I'm in New York and I give my full attention and time to this career, I can be a creative. And then when I become a mother, I can't be a creative anymore. Mm-hmm. And the and two things not are not, they're, they are congruent. They are not. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And like you said, Melissa, too, like I totally resonate with that, um, that pr- productivity where you have shorter spaces of time. So you do more. And you have more to, I feel like I have more to say because, because of my children, it's so different for everybody. Some people, exactly. Um, you know, like I do miss having like days and days where I didn't have that much to do other than my creative life. And I could just yeah. go take a dance class. Like I do miss sure. that. Yeah. But at the same time, when I sit down and I have an hour and a half to crank out blog posts, a talk, a whatever, I do it because I know that that's the amount of time that I have. And I do feel like overall, the quality of my work is better because it's informed by my children. So yeah. yeah, seasons of life, like you go up and down, you know, it's like there's, there's times when you're not operating at your full creative capacity, but there are times where you're operating at like 175% of what you yeah. thought was possible. Yeah. yeah. Just say in observation, I know I'm yeah. not in that experience, but you are as, especially as the mother partaking in the creation of life, at the, the yes. fundamental creation, which yeah. it's not like you're really like in there, like, like you're not a part of it in this, uh, in a sense that you're aware of. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you're but partaking like, but God, in, the, in the like, most fun God is creating way. with you, you're, you know, and your body is a part of that creation that your husband can't frankly like partake in the same way. Right. Um, but I don't know if that's something to like meditate on, but uh, that's definitely I mean, something to meditate on because I was going to say too, because like as, as a mother, there are times that you can feel like, Oh, but like, what am I, what am I doing right now? It's like, Oh, what you're doing is you're like, there's it's a child unseen. in your womb that's being yes. created, or there's a child that you're, that you're nourishing. And like, it's, it's very easy for mothers to to fall into that Mm -hmm. um those ways of thinking and it's helpful to have outside people like remind you of that and um and we aren't defined by doing we're defined by being and just by being god's daughter that's that's and that's we we forget that all the time especially in american culture but that's 
So and I know, and I just like I know, like Melissa said, she's not really like necessarily performing right now. But what I will say is, like three months ago, she's like, "So my daughter and I are gonna do the sound of music sometime." Like, like Harry Tomer is old enough. Maybe someone will cast us uh, in sound of music. So she's still having the imagination of if, if Rio wants to. If she doesn't want to, it won't be. Yes. <laughs> oh, totally. And you can inspire your children when your children see that you have a passion and you can partake in that together. Yeah. Like the, the con, like the concept that God is limitless is, is it's real <laughs> that there right, are no limits right. that God, that you can put on God. Like if, if God wants you to perform with your daughter, it's going to happen. And maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're going to tour the U S like a mother daughter show. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Like, you never know what God can do. One thing I wanted to touch on, because I think this is really important, the idea of um, the pressure to prove yourself. I think that's oh, a yes. huge hurdle and yes. something that all of us, I would probably in any career, people fall into this. Um, and in theater, like you said, you invest so much, you study so much, you do all these things. Um, I, uh, when I, I think I, when I was 17 and did a show and we we're doing, um, and this is like, uh, just like a regional show is a very like secular group of people. And one of the women was like, that she was a fellow Christian. She was like, we're going to do a prayer circle. If anyone wants to join, I was like, you're awesome. And so we did a prayer circle nice. and she said, these words have never left me. She said, Lord, we know we have nothing to prove and everything to share. Nothing to prove and everything to share. And I was like, that's it. Like that's, that's the mindset of an artist that when you switch, like, because it's so easy to want to prove, prove, prove. Mm -hmm. And when you start to like allow that shift and know, like my purpose is to share. Um, wow. That's why I'm doing this. And the relief that comes from that and the mm -hmm. freedom that then you can like perform or create from Absolutely. is it's just totally different. So I know that that is such a struggle for all of us. And so it's I just wanted to to I share those words because that is so true <laughs> every audition that i booked in new york um was because i walked into the room with that mentality living yeah. in my heart that i have something to share not something to yeah. prove and yeah, are the exactly. ones where you walk in and you feel like you have something to prove yeah they can smell it yeah <laughs> everybody yeah. can everybody can sense that and you're not really free to actually live in the mm -hmm. moment um mm -hmm. oh my gosh it's so true um, before we go any further, I want to ask you, what roles did you play on Broadway? And, um, yeah, what roles and what shows? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I made my Broadway debut in Cats, the 2016 revival. Um, I was in the, it was such a dream come true. Um, and such, uh, it's such a blessing. It's weird that, I mean, it was like four years ago, which in a way it feels like a lifetime ago and also feels like not that long ago at all. It's so bizarre. Wow. Um, but I was in the original cast. I was a swing and I understudied four roles. Um, and then I also was in, there's like a backstage vocal booth for the show to add like vocal cushion. So I was gotcha. in that vocal booth. Um, can you tell us what is that thing she can't do? Yeah. 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 Go yes. So swing is the hardest job in, in yeah. a show. Can you tell the people who don't know what a swing is, what a swing right. is? Right. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah. So a swing is essentially, uh, an offstage, uh, cast member, uh, who has to know multiple roles. Usually it's a chorus, uh, knowing chorus roles. And in the event that anyone, in the ensemble, gets sick, injured, has to leave for a personal reason. Mm -hmm. um, that way the show can still go on. The swing goes into that position 
mm-hmm. fulfilling the, the cast. So um, I've now done it twice. Um, we uh, did it as well on the Cats tour recently. Um, that was just two roles, so that was so much easier. <laughs> but um, but uh, it's definitely... And, and for context, most shows have about... Let's say six, maybe like four to eight swings, like half male, half female. Cats, when we opened, had 10. And as the show progressed, we had 13 mm-hmm. swings total. So, wow. There was just so much That's coverage so that was needed, myself included. So many people got injured. It's mid show happens mid show, like someone gets injured. They have wow. to do their makeup and get in full cat. Yeah. So it's, it's probably uh, one of the most dance heavy shows ever, ever performed, yeah. right? Yeah. If not the yeah. most. Yeah. yeah. It's like in like the chorus line realm, you know, like as mm-hmm. far as like you never leave the stage. Um, you really mm-hmm. have to know your stuff. But it was definitely, I mean, in, as a performer, in my mind, it's like the, the most challenging performing job I've ever had because yeah. especially talking about surrender, um, <laughs> you think I'd be better at it in my real life still after the fact, but, uh, and so always, always for, evergreen. <laughs> for myself who, uh, I want to know what I'm doing and I want to be in control of a situation mm-hmm. as a student, it's like, there's no, you just have to trust yourself. You have to study, you have to do your homework, but if things don't go as planned, you just have to let it go. And when I say that, uh, I know that can be nefarious. What I mean is like, um, if I, in my head was rehearsing for this role earlier in the afternoon, because also just so people know when Broadway shows are currently running, they're still rehearsing throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's something I don't think I really understood. Yeah. Um, so as a show, so any show you go and see on Broadway right now, Wicked, they're having the ensemble and swings for the most part are coming in three to four times a week to rehearse in the afternoon, or I guess two, maybe two to four times a week. Um, and, uh, and then performing that night. So for me, I would be, let's say I'm rehearsing the role of Cassandra in the afternoon. And then we have a dinner break. And on the dinner break, I get a text from management that says you're on for Demeter, which is a different role. So then I'm switching the, br- like going to a different, um, finally having my brain, um, reviewing <laughs> notes if I need to, but so then if in the performance, I start doing something that was something Cassandra did, as long as I don't like severely hurt someone, just like, let it go. Like, you know what? That's funny. I, I, my brain is human and I just forgot for a second. And like, you're not a machine. Just training for something else. So it's, it, it, it makes it really quite fun. There's a, there's a part of swinging that I know some people, do, it doesn't work with every person's brain, but there's a part of it that's really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it can be kind of exciting because not, um, part of performing is like, yes, you are doing the same thing eight times a week. And with being a swing, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen today. <laughs> yeah. Part of that's exciting. Part of it's stressful, yeah. but it's, uh, I guess you take with it. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. And I, you know, just so people know what it's like, like in my show, and I have no doubt in your show too, there are markings on the stage where there is literally like, you have to know if you're at the, you know, um, like they mark it by feet. So it's like two feet left to center, two feet right of center, you know, 10, 12, whatever. You have to know exactly where you are on that grid of the stage at every moment, at every point throughout the entire show, because that's where the lights are. And that's exactly where it's not just that they have a spotlight that just follows you wherever you feel like you want to go, as long as you get the words right. Mm-hmm. right. It is so highly choreographed. And yeah. it is, I mean, like every moment of the show, <laughs> I was like, I was watching Hamilton on Disney Plus the other day and I was like, yeah. I, I could see, I was like this, I forgot how precise you have to be. And you get constant feedback, you get constant notes coming in from the dance 
um, the dance captain who's like, hey, be, you know, half a foot to your left on this particular spot. Like it is for this one lyric for this one moment. And that is how that is the work. And that is the art that goes into it. It is so detailed. Mm -hmm. Just a little tidbit, because I think it's kind of funny. Cats is one of the only shows I've done. It does not have a number line. Um, really in the oh, design of in the design of the show the stage okay. it's it's meant to look like uh pieces of newspaper and trash all um like laying on Junk top of each other it's supposed to be a junkyard so mm-hmm. the deck itself is painted with all these different patterns so for tracking which is like essentially tracking where uh like the placement of your character we would come up with what things looked like on the deck so like go to the top oh. of the tiger eye and then go to the <laughs> avocado and then go stand on the top Whoa. of the oh, like so there's no there's no number like so what like it's for so people viewing like what JC saying is standard for almost every show especially the chorus line would be like zero two four six eight but um but there's no number so the, a part of what makes it almost hard is that you have to be exact but also there's space because not everyone goes to the exact exact position yeah like this person playing the role every night just mm. goes like a hair downstate and you're like oh my gosh I don't know like, like that's it's like unreal. exact and not exact at the same time which wow is a uh, the fun of the jump. <laughs> so for the 2016 revival, did all of the because revival means that a show is for anyone who doesn't know, a revival means that a show is being brought back to Broadway for a second time, mm-hmm. um, or maybe third or fourth time or whatever. But there already was an original production of this. This was when you brought it back to to Broadway. Mm-hmm. It was a new set and a new theater, right? So was it? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, it's kind okay. of. It was a new theater. Similar, it was the same set design, same uh, costume design. The choreography was different. So we had um, Andy Blankenbuehler, who choreographed Hamilton, came Mm -hmm. and like did sort of a revised version that was a mix of his choreography and his uh, conceptual ideas and the original Jillian Lynn's uh, choreography. So we had that musically, we had dif- a whole different arrangements for songs because I had wow. done the original version prior as well. Um, but for the most part, the set is the same every, because <laughs> I've done Cats a few times, every time I've done it, this sounds so silly, the junk is slightly different. <laughs> There's always like, the oven's always there, the pipes, the, t- the tire's there, but then some things might be slightly okay. uh, different, like the tour set was slightly different, and they okay. threw me for a bit. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, that's not yeah. the layout that I'm used to. But. Oh my gosh, I did, so I don't know how many thousands of times we did the mug dance in Beauty and the Beast, yes. where they're oh all clinking gosh. the mugs, and that dance. was the most challenging dance I've ever had to learn because if you clink in the wrong way you um, somebody's elbow gets hurt but also the fact that there's no like what you do in the mug dance does not correspond to anything you would ever learn in the dance class there's no it's yeah, literally right, just right, like right. holding like this you know it's like dun dun cheers it is so yeah and there's no it's just like movements that that choreo- you know that, that they made specifically to that yeah specific to that, that show song, so it's not yeah. where you can be like oh chasse oh my body knows what a chasse is you know this is its own thing yeah oh my gosh learning that was so like special skills mug movements right mug clinks yes exactly I can imagine that's hard. It's crazy. But your whole show was like that. Like for us, we at least had, I mean, we were pretty highly choreographed for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very, very much production number heavy show. It's like production number after production number. Yeah. And as an ensemble member for that, there was a lot to learn, but I wasn't doing four roles. (laughs) (laughs) But that's amazing. And and 
for me, having a background of singing and dancing, that um, it's rare to come across a show where you're being de the demand of both of those talents at the same time is so high and yes. at a level mm -hmm. that challenges you every time you do it. Mm -hmm. I've been in ensemble in other shows where I'm having so much fun, but I'm like on for 10 minutes, I go off for a half hour while the love, like the love interests have a scene and song and like, and that's still fun too. But there's something about cats that like anyone who's done it is like, boy, it is like, it requires so much attention of you as an artist and wow. committed to the feline movement, like in all seriousness, as silly as it sounds. Um, you have to be so attentive to to it and um and she does pause in real life all the time i guess i did it earlier she, today. Yeah. well we were like Drawing saying a prayer coffee. together and i was like you're doing pause <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's, it's That's awesome um but yeah it's it's really exciting in a way um anytime i've done it i, I don't really get sick of it because it's always like can yeah. i rise to the challenge today and, and, and yeah. vocally, the show is really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I was singing soprano in it, and it's like, it's very... Oh. And it's, and it's, um, That's so and hard. And people don't really realize that with the show. Up because it's intense. Visually, it's so exciting and stimulating. There's something about where I said with performing on Broadway, where we're so privileged to be able to say this and have this. But um, it's... Performing on any stage anywhere feels special and feels like home, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the, even the, like, you know, like some of the theaters you go through on tour are like absolutely incredible, oh, have history to them. Beautiful. Like beautiful architecture, amazing historic uh, legends that have performed there. And um, there's something about like broad, the Broadway stage where it feels cool. It feels like home, like any other yeah. stage. Then you walk out and then you're like, Oh, there's Times Square and this is Midtown Manhattan and there's my marquee and like that's a Broadway marquee and mm -hmm. that's what I used to stand in front of when I would like come visit here like it's so mm -hmm. special to know like oh and then when you go into mid like you go into Times Square you see the TKTS signs and you're like people are trying to come see the show I'm in right now like like what uh, like a tourist is coming from <laughs> around fun. the world to like see a show on Broadway and yeah. I'm like that is the crazy part about it that um you kind of forget because you're so used to the theater as your your home base your workplace well in your day right. in and day out and it doesn't always feel like that mm -hmm. in yeah. one sense you know it's yeah. like yeah, especially once you get into that rhythm of day in and day out of mm -hmm. uh, eight shows a week, your job and yeah. you're yeah. rehearsing and you're performing. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Melissa, what did you do? What show did you do and what were your roles? Um, I did Les Miserables. Um, so I did Les Mis. Uh, I did the the revival. So there, this was the second revival of it because there had already been one revival so it's a 2014 revival so we opened in 2014 we closed in 2016 we did a two and a half year run and um, and you were with the show the entire run right i was i was with the show okay. the entire run so i um yeah. is that yeah. longer than a typical broadway contract or do they renew every year yeah yeah they okay. they okay. renew so a lot for the most part, um, principal cast members, usually it can depend, but usually principals are on like a year contract. So we did have principals who left at that time, some renewed just depending on what they were doing and what they had going on. Um, and then the chorus contracts actually are just, oh, well, this changed. It changed. Yeah. When it, so what has been standard for many, many years was the chorus contracts are actually just an open-ended contract. Yeah. Um, but I think you maybe renew a writer or something every yeah, six months. Yeah. But that has kind of since changed. Like by the time, which was only two years, a year and a half later, yeah, yeah. she, um, they were on like 
six month writers, six month writers, and then right after that, it changed to year for for chorus members. Mm -hmm. So there's a distinction between principal and chorus contracts, yeah, through the Mm -hmm. union. But chorus Mm -hmm. contracts shifted to being a year long signing from first, I think, first rehearsal. Yeah, I think so. Um, And that was kind of something just little business insight was uh, because my agents were saying like new shows are getting cast members who join for the first couple months, open the show, and then because they're so talented, are booked in another show and leave. Oh, yeah, because a chorus member has a four-week out, right? Yeah, you'll so that's, yeah. So, so it's kind of an incentive to mm-hmm, keep... See. Uh, it's a contract writer of sorts to keep the actor in the show for a certain amount of time. That way, producers mm. don't have to try to hire someone new mm-hmm. yeah. so quickly. Got I was it. not we were not <laughs> member who was hopping show to show. We so. stayed in our shows as long no. as we could. No. That's what that was calling. But, the, yeah, hey. some of our friends out there like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. bam. Like, I feel awesome. like Ariana Rosario did that. Oh, yeah. 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 I did. Um, She and I did a Christmas Carol together in 2012 at the Macarthur Theater in Princeton, New Jersey. That was such a special experience. Everyone in that ensemble, for the most part, like everyone except like two people um, who was in that like dance ensemble, we basically just had one dance number, which was the Fezziwig dance party for a Christmas Carol. (laughs) And we just had like moments on stage and then we would go backstage and then we'd be like a chorus person, you know, just like a townsperson here and there. But she was a member of that dance ensemble. Everybody in that show went on to do like Broadway stuff or national tours, like immediately afterwards, like Mike Feist was in Newsies on Broadway and then he was in the original cast of Dear Evan Hansen, got a Tony nomination. and then Ariana has done like a bajillion things ever since. She and, was my um, dressing roommate. Like we were right no next way. to each other. Uh, yeah. She's such a, such a talented, lovely gal. Yeah. Super talented. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She used to, we used to have dance classes together and she would like teach me hip hop because I knew nothing about it. She was <laughs> so it. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Melissa, who did you play in Lamez? Yeah, so I was in the ensemble and I understudied from the beginning of the contract, I understudied Cosette. And mm-hmm. then the last year of our contract, I also understudied Fontaine, which was really awesome. Amazing. Um, really, when I started the show, I wouldn't have ever imagined like also getting to cover Fontaine. At some point in the audition process, I had done Eponine stuff. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll get to understudy Eponine at one point. And yeah. there are other people in the cast who kind of filled that role better. And then um, so it was fun that kind of a last year I was like, oh, I'm mom too. Like I'm daughter the- and mom. Oh, so I know. What a cool thing. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Actually, and um, Aww. and so that was really special. So was in um the ensemble every night as well. And then for the tour, which went out a year <laughs> after, it's just funny to me. We both did the Broadway revivals, and then eventually went out on the tour. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's cool. Though. Of the eighties phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you were roommates, and your sisters. Yeah. yeah. Power, um, family. <laughs> no, and um, your sister was Miss Runner Up USA, Teen yeah, USA, right? Yeah, she was Miss yeah, was first Runner Up Miss Teen. USA. Yeah, she was Miss Teen California, right? Yeah, yeah and exactly. Then she went on and she like almost won. She was like <laughs> yeah. number two. Yeah, she literally was Miss like Teen. holding hands yeah. with the winner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, sorry, amazing. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it's all on the tour. Um, yeah, so on the tour, I got to play Fontaine, which was really awesome. Um, wow. So that was really special to have that experience. Um, the ensemble of Les Mis works really hard. I'm kind of like similar to Cats, but different. We're not dancing. Um, <laughs> not dancing. But singing and just changing costumes. You're like on stage. Yeah. You're, yeah, you know, doing... Yeah, that's that's <laughs> different. But you're doing plenty of different things. things. Yeah. Anyway, different type of difficult. But um, anyway, so yeah. on the in the Broadway 
theater, we changed underneath the stage because our dressing rooms were four flights of stairs up. Oh my so gosh. we got ready for the show upstairs and that's where we went at first, but there's not time or energy to go up all those stairs oh, yeah. and come back down and get on stage in your new costume for the next scene. Mm-hmm. So we had what was called wardrobe village underneath the stage in like the basement of the, you know, the Little old tenement houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> dusty down there. Um, super dusty. Um, it's so funny. Yeah. And so it's like, you're like on stage singing, you run downstairs, changing your clothes, you're back up on stage, da, 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 mm-hmm. dirt on your face, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, so it was really special. I mean, Fontaine's track is, is really cool because you're like, off, I think you're kind of like out of the gate running, you do your dream to dream, um, you live, you die, and then you chill backstage. <laughs> you chill backstage. You just bam. Yeah, then you like have time backstage. And then the way Les Mis is designed, every principal except for Valjean and Javert play ensemble at one point or another in the show. Mm. So as Fontaine, I got to be on the barricade in the ensemble. Oh, cool. Which is so fun to be on barricade. Wow. Um, and then you come back. <laughs> As a and I, th- I think it's really cool about that is that, like, I know our friends who are principals sometimes they feel like they, they don't really connect with the cat, the rest of the cast because they're usually the cast, separated, yeah. like, in yeah. their dressing room, only on stage when they're, like, being their principal role. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, to get to still have that camaraderie with the ensemble, I think is nice. Oh, yeah, it's super fun. It's <clears throat> super it fun. Because then the whole um, cast feels like they're all together. Yeah, you, you just get to, like, like, there's an ensemble, like, community. There's an ensemble, yeah, like, yeah. family thing, yeah. which I imagine for cats, it's everybody because yeah, everybody yeah. is kind of a principal and an ensemble yeah. member. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's a tribe. Yeah. 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 That's a tribe. Yeah. <laughs> and I still, like, I love the, it. The, especially the, second year I toured the show, which is like almost, it was nine years ago now, which is crazy. Um, I'm still extremely close. Uh, We actually have a weekly Zoom, which will be later this afternoon. (laughs) We started setting up in quarantine. But um, we have like what are called like kitty nights where we like get together and have game night or whatever uh, in New York usually. So it's definitely, um, do you still do the pause? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Like two two of the people on that cast got married, and it's like it's just like super cool that um, the tribes that you create like in your shows, like the communities you create, or even the swing family. I will say too, Mm. so I think it's really special. Like someone who has been a swing before, you're like, oh, you get it. (laughs) We can rely on each other in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I love about the New York theater community is that um, I've been in different theater communities in cities that have smaller theater um, and everybody knows everybody in those places. Mm-hmm. And I actually really appreciated the largeness of the new, I mean, it is, it's a small and large community because once you get yeah. to a certain level, yeah. everybody knows true. everybody. But what yeah. I really appreciated was that you found like the people who were the most successful tended to be really humble and really authentic and really approachable, like really friendly to, cause I was, I, I was in some shows with some big Broadway stars where I was an ensemble member. And those, those shows were where the people who were the most successful were the least likely to be the ones who looked at this like status or ranking mm, or treating totally. you differently according yeah. to yeah. what roles you had played. And I appreciated oh, yeah. that so much because actually it can be really hard for those listening who are like maybe studying musical theater or who are um, in a smaller theater community in a different city. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a downside that with a community that's that small the small bubble kind of small bubble yeah Yeah. Yeah. like I feel like in college it was like 
you know, you had like two opportunities, maybe three mm-hmm. throughout the year to get cast on a show. And that's kind of like how everybody, everybody in the department was going for like two or three female roles. If it was a, it was a male heavy show. And it's like, I you know, know, a lot of are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like when you gain that perspective yeah. you, and you, you go through that process of like really working hard and really um, not getting cast in a lot of shows, but going to tons and tons of auditions where you don't get cast. And then exactly. I think the people who really make it, who are really in it are into that more theater community mindset where they recognize like, if you're not a, good, a nice person, like you're not going to get cast because directors yeah. don't want to work with you. It has yeah. so much to do about who you are as a person, not just your status and your ranking and how high you can riff and how high you yeah. can belt and all of that kind of stuff. Those are important too, obviously. Yeah. But it is, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't make that blanket statement, but I was just really impressed to find out that the people who were the most successful were often the most humble as well. Yeah. Which is great. Actually, that leads me to want to just, like, mention my relationship with the fellow Cosette cover because in On Broadway mm-hmm. Les there um, there's at least two understudies for every principal role. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine at times that can lead to like a, a, a sort of tension or something like, Oh, who are they going to put on? Like, Oh, so right. you know, the person is going to have a vacation where they going to put whatever. All mm-hmm. those. But mm-hmm. so it was really special because actually in the rehearsal process, um, there was a need for me and the other Cosette cover to cover at certain points. Like when it was like, she had a, a costume mm-hmm. fitting. And so we're like doing the, all the Cosette stuff. And um, so at first, like, they're like going through Heart Full of Love, and every, like, the whole cast just starts singing it because there's like no co's out there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my, my friend Betsy's like, guys, guys, we have two beautiful covers here. Let them sing it. They know it. Aww. So, Aww. um, so like, I started singing it, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm like just standing on stage because we hadn't learned the blocking yet. So I'm just standing in the wing, like, singing. And then the next little part comes up that Cosette sings. And I point across the stage to my friend Heidi, who is the other cover. I'm like, take this one. You go for it. She's like, oh, okay, I'll take it. So she, um, so she sang, oh, no, it was in my life. I sang in my life. Then she sang Heart Full of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, then like we just, through the end of the act, switched off then because I had like another little part that I sang. Then she sang the part in one more. And um, it was so sweet because she like came up to me afterwards. She was like, thank you so much for doing that. Like, I'm so glad we like got to both kind of do that. It's like, yeah, like we're both, we're, we're both covering this role. And um, it kind of just started this like immediate friendship and bond between the two of us. And we started that night. I think we text each other and we said like, hashtag team Cosette. And uh, so that hashtag continued. We were both there the whole run, sat next to each other in the dressing room. And it was a spirit of like, camaraderie and support. Like when we found out like, Oh, Hey, are you on today? Like, yes, I'm on. I'm like, okay. Um, she would be like, what do you need? I'm going to go get you some Lay's potato chips because we'd eat those to keep our like vocal cords greasy and like it's like a good excuse to eat potato chips. Um, but I'd be like, okay, what do you need? Let me get you tea. Let me get you whatever our favorite mm. thing from the juice Wonder. place nearby. So but it's just like so special to have that relationship. And it was, it's like, why not create that and be supportive of the other person? Because you both worked hard to like, yeah. to understudy this role together. Or- yeah. It's the virtue of um, magnanimity mm, being yeah. magnanimous because yeah. you have been cast. And so you don't need to prove yourself anymore. Exactly. Yeah. It's really hard. Like in, um, I feel like in a college show when you maybe have like four or five performances right. and there's maybe two understudies right. and they both right. want to be there because they both want to put that on their resume. But if someone right. actually does have to call out, both understudies aren't going to go on. It's going to be yeah. one. I mean, unless they have a two show day and they kind right. of 
Do you ever call them right. two doches? Two doches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they do that. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. It sounds like, like a, a, it sounds like a ballet term. term. It's like <laughs> demi tudoche, grand tudoche. Yeah. So when we were having a hard day on tour, we would talk about it being like a grand tudoche. Yeah. And it's just like today was like it. feeling easy. It's like no, it's a demi. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I say, too, as far as camaraderie, like even what I've been realizing in this quarantine time, because like you said, like after we're very used to not actually doing what we love on a daily basis, in the sense that I <laughs> yes. we're used to having a side hustle, uh, being a waitress in yes. the after, like at night, trying to make two auditions in the morning if I can, probably mm-hmm. not booking those, um, going back to work, like not necessarily doing the performing job uh, yes. eight times a week. We know that that is what we sign up for in a sense. And it can be yeah. really difficult and, and emotionally draining. But yeah. I was thinking, cause like in this time I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm used to uncertainty totally. But what's different is one, we don't even have the option of like any performing jobs really happening. Right. But I was realizing how much the audition room the holding room in particular can actually be a way that I see people I really enjoy mm-hmm. and like get to like catch up with someone. Um, yes. So for me, I'll say, especially for ladies who go to like singing calls or dancing calls, chorus calls, whatever, those rooms are always so packed. There's so yeah. many of us there, but that's where I see like my friends and it's where especially and you hold each other's place in line. Yeah. yeah. And, and you go um, get each other coffee and like you take yeah. care of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or even like invited calls that you get to go. It's just like cool uh, yeah. to know that you can like, like some of my friends who I haven't worked, like actually done a show with in eight or nine years, but I see them on auditions all the time. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it is. Like and it's like, Oh, look, an opportunity to sit here and have coffee with my friend while we wait. And yeah, yeah it totally, is. that was one of my favorite things. Cause like in Los Angeles, I imagine it's super, super, super hard for actors because well, it's hard for actors in LA and New York, but I was so grateful in New York. I got the chance to audition. Mm-hmm. Like I got the chance to get yeah. seen in front of people. And I think yeah. for LA, you have to submit electronically. I, I wonder if that's where it's going in New York too, once the theaters open back up again. But in, in LA, you do have to submit electronically. And I would talk to my friends who are out there being trying to be film actors. And they're like, yeah, you just send your resume from a coffee shop. You send your resume out a thousand times a day. And maybe once every, if you don't have an agent, maybe once every couple of months, you get an audition or something. You actually get to go. And then when you go, it's not this community experience. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's so interesting, actually. I've, uh, well, I'll just I'll just share because I think most people who listen to my show regularly probably have heard me refer to the shows that I've done. But just in case we have some new listeners, yeah. Um, yeah so I did. Um, I was non-union. I was EMC, which means Equity Membership Candidate, but I was not a part of the Actors Union, which is called Equity. Um, so that made it possible for me to perhaps work um, a little bit more because there are more non-equity shows, but they also yes. don't pay as well. <laughs> so right, right. I'm working. It's, it's like a double-edged sword, totally you know, but I did um, two national tours. Um, the first one was the Wizard of Oz national tour. And I was, you spoke of wearing a lot of hats and a lot of costume changes, Melissa. That was my experience for that <laughs> one. Um, I understudied Mrs. Oh, no, that's right. That was my second one. I understudied Glinda. So I understudied Glinda. So I got to fly in on the bubble. It was really special. That. Got to go on twice um, for her, which was so cool. And then so cool. Um, I, yeah, I only went on twice in six months, which is kind of yeah. spoke well of the other, yeah. you know, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the role. And then, um, 
um, I wore seven different hats. So we, <laughs> we did because we were on tour and we didn't have like a wardrobe city underneath the yes. stage. Yeah, we did have anymore. to do the five flights of stairs quite frequently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So at the Fox Theater in St. Louis, which is a 5,000 feet house, we had to go up five flights of stairs. Neither of us have played it, but we've heard so much about it. It's like my favorite. It was going to be the week of Easter, I think. It was my favorite theater. I know. People talk about it. It's such an amazing place. They're going to rebook it. It's going to happen. I'll just go see a show there sometime. Let's go to St. Louis and see a show there. Also, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so beautiful there. And there's, when you go backstage, there's like, you know, Michael Jackson's signature on the wall so judy cool. garland you know oh just like so cool. these legends um tony bennett like people have signed the walls and then um yeah <laughs> actually it's really nice because dorothy let us use her star dressing room um oh, to make oh, some of so our course awesome. <laughs> she was so nice because we were like our legs were dying because we were doing two sh- two doshes yeah yeah the weekend that we were there up and down the stairs so i was a flying monkey i was a citizen of oz i was a poppy i was just um, gonna say poppy a, yeah there was a beautiful concert. dance number where we were poppies and then we turned into snow mm-hmm. um and i was the mayoress of munchkinland Oh, um, so <laughs> it's a character that's not in the movie but they made it up for the show I so they kind of that. took all that should definitely be a Maris I think that's perfect <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I was the real I was you know I wore the pants in the relationship yeah, too. yeah. like I was really the mayor um, and then my second tour was Beauty and the Beast so I played oh, um, yeah one I of played, my favorite favorite shows it is such a beautiful show oh, I loved it I understudied Mrs. Potts in the wardrobe for that one which was really cool and then I uh, played a fork and a plate and a napkin and the baker's yes. wife. So the part where he says, Marie, the baguettes, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Yeah. Everybody remembers that for some reason. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. Well, the number is fantastic. Carrying those baguettes mm-hmm. is a good way to make a living. So That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we did 43 states, 70 cities for each tour. Wow. And it was crazy. I mean, you guys appreciate this. You, pro- I'm guessing because you were equity tours, you probably had longer sit down. Well, she's I've, done non-equity. I've done non-equity and equity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've done the one nighter. So it's, it's so hard. I'm work. getting um because at this point now my Facebook memories are showing me like ten years ago when I used to post like more details of my life than I do now. But it was like just got through this week of one nighter. It's like and that, yeah. that's where I was ten years ago. Like um, yeah. yeah. So I know that what yeah one nighters yeah one nighters are a city every night. Yeah, I'm translating for people who don't yes, do yes, yes, speak. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We had for the Wizard of Oz 17 one-nighters in a row oh, with no days cool. off, and some of them were oh. two show days. It was crazy. March with it was like happen. Yeah, it was like in Canada. Yeah, it was like in Canada in the middle of winter. So oh, it was no, so cold. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I look back now and I'm like, they paid me three hundred twenty-five dollars a <laughs> oh, week. Yeah, you're for this life. Such hard work. It's it is such, such hard work. Yeah, but, but motherhood is harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But that's fair. That's twenty four seven. Like you never stop. But motherhood is harder, but also more edifying now. Now at this point in my life, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So what? What was your experience? I want to make sure I, I like we get into kind of the, like living right. your faith in the arts because there's right. a lot. There's a ton of people who have reached out to me and been like, I want to move to New York City, but I don't know yeah. how to keep my faith. There's a lot of people I think who are just they're like they want to give up on the arts. And they want to be like just it's it's a you know. 
you know, a sordid world, just don't even go there. Like mm-hmm. you'll lose your soul. And that wasn't my experience in New York mm-hmm. City. Although I understand why people sometimes say that about right. it, but it's not people who are actually there doing it. It's like people right. from the outside looking in. So what right. is like an insider having lived that life, you know, was it hard to be Catholic in New York City as an actress? And how did you navigate that? I'm just going to touch on something real quick about New York. That's yeah. Okay. So yeah. what I was pretty like really positively overwhelmed by is when you go to New York and start maybe going to some of the young adult Catholic events is that um, most young adult people who are living in New York, like moved there for a reason, like moved there either to pursue Mm -hmm. something or are trying something, got a new job, something like that, or they're for school maybe. And um, it's like, you're automatically looking for community. There's something Mm -hmm. about you that's searching. Maybe your family's not there. I, I think, other than like one person I can think of who is from there. Almost everyone I know from my like Catholic New York circle is not from there, was looking for community. So um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you start to like go to some things, it's hard sometimes when you're performing or whatever, your schedule doesn't accommodate that. But even like a daily master in there, you'll find community and they do a really good job of like sending out emails and blasts of different things that are happening. So I, I have a link to that in the show notes that <clears throat> yeah, for anyone who yeah, Catholic NYC. It's amazing. It's run by a gentleman, our mutual friend, Colin Acaza, mm-hmm. and he has done an incredible job. I mean, there's you can go to something every night of the week and yeah. find meet 30 new Catholics. Some, yeah. some, and you're going to resonate with somebody at every single event. Like it's yeah. just, it's insane. It's unlike any other young adult community. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it so. really is. And I think, like you're saying, because there's this desire and need for community in New York City and people feel that whether they're Christians, Catholics or not Um, but I have found some of the most um, like devout and passionate Catholic people and Christian people in New York City because when you find those people you're like yes like I need you and that family becomes very strong sometimes the, the title of being a Catholic artist I think people sometimes think you have to be one or the other or as like Melissa said like sacrifice part of those identities like you can't be both at the same time and I think I want people what I would want people to understand and I've been so blessed to see this is there's actually like a Venn diagram of people who are both of those truly and 100% on both of them Um, Mm. and actually just like a cool story is like there's a a gal that had messaged me on Instagram like two years ago um, was going in for the Cats National Tour and uh, like knew that I was a part of the show at one point. So she was like, Hey, do you have like any advice for this audition? Um, like she had just gone to an open call and she was also Catholic. And so she had just moved to the city and was asking me about resources mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So I messaged her back. Um, and we kind of messaged back and forth and then cut to like a year later. Um, I'm on the cast national tour and then we needed a new replacement and she comes in and books it. And I'm like, Wow. Wait, is this that girl that, yeah. And what's weird too is that like some kind of Catholic event in New York, someone was like, Oh, you should meet this gal Loretta. And I was like, I feel like we've messaged and we had, Mm. and now like we got to tour the country together on a show that we had both kind of discussed in messaging and we went to mass together, like, which was so cool. So good. And I'll tell people like, and ever since I think it was probably about nine or 10 years ago where I started realizing you can actively pray to, have a fellow person of faith, whether Christian, non-denominational or Catholic, whatever, have a person of faith Mm. in the show with you. You can always ask for that. Like the Lord's never, you know, like that's something to 
to pray for with intention. Um, it's really good. And I've been blessed for the most part to either have someone who actively practices some, like some form of Christianity or understands it, or mm-hmm. I don't know, some kind of connecting point. Mm-hmm. But all yeah. that to say, like the Catholic artist thing is something more recently in moving to New York where I realized like, oh, there's a really cool way to identify as this thing and find mm-hmm. other people who do too. Mm-hmm. And not well, like weird, cause you're usually the weird Catholic one in your artist circle. Or you're the weird artist in your Catholic yeah, circle. In your Catholic you circle. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's cool to find that. Part of um, yeah. part of my story, my discernment story with my husband is that he led a letter to artists discussion group. And this is when we were friends and getting to know each other. And, and the, the letter to artists is written by John Paul II, yes. right? Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. He was um, the young adult That's ministry awesome. leader at St. Malachy's at the time and wanted to do this. And the, the people that we met through that was so cool because we would just come mm-hmm. we would discuss like a portion of the letter and we're meeting all these artists like you know organist, from, yeah, uh, organist architect graphic designers Sculptor, musical theater poet, like pianist yeah. all the yeah. my <laughs> husband's an audio engineer and musician yeah. just everyone and we would just talk for hours because it was like awesome. oh my gosh the other people who are catholic artists this is so cool yeah, and that's really important <laughs> Yeah, so that was just really and that church so special. Even when Melissa had told me about it when I moved there, it's called Saint Malachy's, comma the Actors Chapel, and it's a church that has mass times after performances. Yes. They have an actor shrine inside, um, has icons of patron saints of uh, performers like Saint Genesius, Saint Genesius. Saint Genesius. Mm-hmm. yes, and Celia. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes I don't know. Like I think it's funny that there's this potential mindset like in Christianity that's like artistry is so like um worldly because in a sense yeah. it's fundamentally human and beautiful right. and like fine like right. the churches we walk divine. into yeah yeah the churches mm-hmm. we walk into were created by artists and sometimes like as a culture i think i will say it's like american culture i think sometimes doesn't realize how much artistry has affected your day-to-day life Absolutely. visual art musical art performing art like yeah. It's around us all the time. But maybe people don't yeah. realize. And it doesn't have to just look like icons and um, yeah. classical churches either. Yeah. I think that's another thing that I... Um, yeah, because you definitely encounter that resistance in some Catholic circles where they're like, do you wear leotards in ballet class? Like, that's evil. You know, and there, there is sometimes that mentality out there. And I'm like, no, I think actually that, you know, we we see, um, you know, Catholic, some of the greatest Catholic art features um, nude bodies. Like, there's yeah. the... The, the beauty of the body, yeah, yeah. The human, yeah, and a human um, expression, and it's it, it it's a real thing that is actually a time honored tradition in our church. It's not mm-hmm. just like this yeah. separate thing. It's actually an integration of body mm-hmm. and soul, and it's yeah, using yeah, your body yeah. for the glory of God. And there's yeah, lots yeah. of ways that that doesn't happen in theater, and that's very true. Course, like, there yeah. were there were things that I looked at, and I was like, I'm just not going to audition for this. Like I yes. just We've all, you have to yeah. use your discernment, <laughs> and it's like I'm yeah, not going to go in for this show. And yeah. it was sometimes it was hard because people would invite you to audition for something that you really mm-hmm. um, uh, like a, a role that would have looked good on your resume. And it would have given yeah. you the opportunity to be a working actor rather than a non-working actor, mm-hmm. which 90% of actors are non-working in New York. And mm-hmm. so it would have given you that, you know, and potentially you would have met someone who would have led to this thing, led to this thing. But I think it's really important to ask yourself, like, what are my first principles? Like, what are my first mm-hmm. things that I'm doing Right. And, and I didn't always do this perfectly, you know, myself, right, but right. I think as my journey went on and I started to realize like, I have to put God first and I really have to surrender this minister, this, this career to him, then um, you get a sense of peace about turning down 
opportunities Um, rather than just being grateful for any show or any opportunity and just going in for anything you think okay uh i will like if god wants me to have this career he's going to make it happen in a way where i'm going to also have a clean conscience and i'm actually going to really be able to glorify him as opposed to um you know i'm going to be a part of shows that have such beautiful underlying themes and such you know like we've been blessed, the three of us, to be a part of these shows that really do reflect the beauty of God's yeah. creation and the yeah. power of his love. Um, and that's one of my and favorite I don't think that's like a coincidence either. Like I was thinking about it, I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, our show is like, there's um, like, because God, God knows us and knows those desires and has given us these opportunities to be in shows that really, yeah, are just beautiful and reflect right. these timeless messages of humanity and, and principles that are very good, true and beautiful. And that's mm-hmm. a huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure before we go to that, I just get your thoughts on um, interacting with working with people who are um, living a different lifestyle. I have, um, I have a little one who just woke up from a nap just now. So, oh, <laughs> hi. Hi. so this is how we roll here, but um but I do want to get your thoughts um, because this is in sort of, oops, sorry, clear. Oh, okay, can you hear me again? We, the arts is often at the forefront of pushing the boundaries of, um, you know, uh, which is part of, you know, part of the artistic uh, tendency maybe mm. is to push the boundaries right. and to ask, you know, true. what, what is possible, um, which is a good thing, but then sometimes as well in our culture where we're kind of tending farther and farther away from God. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, how did you deal with uh, just like being in a culture where maybe certain things were expected um, or certain things were accepted that just we can't agree to as, as Catholics? Mm-hmm. How did you kind of navigate that? Um, yeah, sure. I'll say first specifically, I remember um, my first year of tour, I realized um, I needed to have, like, I needed to set some stuff for myself. And what I mean by that is I realized I needed to be in my Bible more. So I, uh, on the summer off in between the two years of tour I did a while ago, I went through the book of Psalms and created literally a list that wow. said scripture verses for tour. And those would be the verses that I would go to wow. if I was feeling overwhelmed either with drama, like things that aren't even like moral complications, but just like, I'm overwhelmed. Okay. Where can I go in scripture mm. to feel um, supported that. and encouraged? Um, then also, so it's been things over time where even like when I'm doing shows during Lent and I'm figuring out what practices I want to um, incorporate into my daily life, regardless of the show I'm doing, um, mm. coming into more of practice of praying a rosary daily, mm-hmm. um, asking for grace more as we encounter things uh, in our workplace. And uh, so like even on the tour I was just on, I realized <clears throat> it was kind of hard to keep my practice of, of praying a rosary daily because it was just like, Hours were a bit more in flux, mm. you know, whatever the call time was, was different in a different city. Um, but I would just like pull myself away from the dressing room for a bit, find a quiet nook in the theater before half hour and just go take my rosary there and pray it there. Um, now, I wasn't always successful at that. I didn't always do that, but I have a specific memory of a city where I'm like, I just need to pull away a little bit and remind myself that I, I shouldn't be, I, I can't expect myself to be able to like always be um, 
peaceful if I don't actually go and seek that mm-hmm. spiritually for myself and carve that out. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things I was really, really enjoying about tour, because I was having a really great time, honestly, was mm-hmm. um, not only seeing the different cities, but going into different churches in different yes. communities mm-hmm. and seeing, yes. uh, like, w- it was just very interesting. Like, um, some cities were like, oh my, like Houston, thriving young adult family community at the parish at like the 10 a.m. mass mm-hmm. before I went, no, no, no. Whoa, that was not Houston. It was Washington, <laughs> D.C. <laughs> but then I remember, and this is really interesting, going to Boston, and it was a very, very small church in the middle of the city. Um, and knowing the scandals that have hit Boston in the church, mm. and they had like a blurb about it at the end, and uh, like in, in the bulletin of how this community has been hurt by scandals in the church and how to pray for the community. Mm. And wow. knowing that some... Like that, our church has has wounds on it, and like, yeah. how can we, as people who still um, love the Eucharist, want to pray for the church and, mm. and for its the wounds that it has hurt people, that it has caused people? Mm. Anyway, yeah. that's like a tangent, but um, but so one is being intentional about your own prayer life, regardless of where you are, mm. to, as mm. protection too. Like you have yeah. to be guarded um, and remember that we're all human, and you know. It's, we can all be tempted in different ways. Uh, the other thing is too, is like what I've noticed is like the people that I work with, like for the most part are like family, like I, I really love them and they might not understand my lifestyle and my, I might not understand theirs, but I really love them like as, as human beings. And, um, yeah, and we can really just like, I don't know. I, I respect each other. And I find for the most part, like we've encountered people who either were Catholic at some point, left the faith, don't quite understand it, um, know the prayers, but don't get them. And mm. like I had one woman on the tour was just on who like doesn't really practice, but she's like, can I go to mass with you? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can go to mass with me. Like, that'd be awesome. awesome. And we went, yeah. that, you know, we talked about it and that was it. She didn't come again, but it was like, I don't, it's, it's not about, I'm not trying to necessarily like make everyone like come to mass with me, but right. it's like, hopefully we can live out the example in our day to day life yeah. and just have conversations with people about, uh, you know, I know Bishop Robert Barron has put out the statistic that 7% of current young adult Catholics that were raised Catholic still go to church. So wow. we're like in a very, very small percentile. But ultimately, I don't yeah. always feel like that because I feel like I see people who are practicing this faith, yeah. who believe it, who small love and mighty, yeah. small and mighty, small and mighty. And a lot of times, people just need to encounter someone who loves Jesus and also isn't yeah. like their idea of weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Like sometimes yeah. to just be the face of like a functional person <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> who also goes right. to church because sometimes yeah, yeah. it is that rare in some people's lives that that witness yeah, yeah. and that's that's Good. what i was gonna say is our i actually can't think of any specific experiences where i've encountered kind of a direct um like negative response to no. my faith or anything and i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. a big part of that is like Madison said, really, um, as much as we can and asking for the grace for this to live out our faith as authentically as possible mm-hmm. and to encounter all of the people that we work with and come across um, with the 
seeing them and and the dignity of the whole person that they are and um, growing to love them um, where they are. And I have had a lot of experiences like just it's what you like show up to the theater and people are like, oh, how was mass this morning? Like because people knew that I went to church every Sunday and I was like, it was great. Thanks for asking. And mm-hmm. but that came over kind of over some time of getting to know people and understanding. Um, yeah, I, I did come to find this um, this deep respect, even with people who live very That's different awesome. lives than me and some of my best friends um, have different views than me in um in big ways, but there's a, a respect there and a dialogue there and conversations have been brought up in a very like respectful way that I couldn't have really imagined. Mm. And um, so there's a beauty in that. And the thing is, yeah, I understand the idea of like, okay, like how, how can I do this? But if, if God is calling to you to it, he will give you like the grace and the strength. And that can be a constant discernment. There are times mm. that you're in a dressing room and you're like, this is not really a conversation that I want to be a part of or want to be listening to. So I'm just going to excuse myself for a minute. And, um, and there mm-hmm. may be times where you discern, you kind of have to say a little something here or there. People generally tended to kind of understand. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like where, where I stood on things there. Oh, sorry, yeah. Melissa, you know, and yeah, thanks. Know. thanks guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but overall it's um, like you said, just that, that witness is really important and um and like madison touched on too like i do do know a lot of people who left the church for one reason or another but actually like a lot of people in my cast were like oh yeah i I was raised catholic or whatever and so you're like oh okay um and that's something to kind of take into account understand um that we may or may not understand where those um where wounds came from or if it was Mm -hmm. just a decision to leave the church for one reason or another and to be Mm. mindful of that and hopefully by the grace of God, be presenting to these people the love of God that they deserve from day one and mm-hmm. that they may not have found anywhere else and that they need to find. Yes. Um, and that's that's what we can do and pray and um, yeah, yeah, just yeah. pray and, and pray for God to kind of just kind of open up these true authentic relationships with people who are different mm-hmm. than us because that's how we start to actually come to understand each other better mm-hmm. and um, hopefully... Kind yeah of just, yeah i don't know affect each other yeah yeah definitely i'll say mm-hmm. like people who are are, are artists are it tend to be it's like you're interested in the human experience you're interested mm. in empathy mm-hmm. you are or you, you almost have an inclination maybe that's yeah. too right no, just no, no. To say, no you have like an inclination true. toward empathy and understanding someone else yeah. and mm-hmm. so i'll feel like i like other people are kind of just like interested because they're like, wait, you do go to mass regularly. Yes, I just like, <laughs> and so it's it's actually just a really. Nice she, you said you had some of that. Oh, you're a Catholic Catholic. Oh, you're a Catholic, Catholic. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's like yeah, what that means to you, <laughs> sure. Uh, because I, I was like going. I think my birthday was coming up on tour, and I was like, I think I'm going to go to a daily mass before rehearsal. And it's like, oh, so you're like Catholic Catholic. So like, you're like, a, yeah, not sure. just like confirmed, <laughs> confirmed and done, yeah. but like okay. what that means to you. Yeah, yeah. You actually um, do the things. Yeah. I do. Um, it's, it's really, really not, I don't know. It's really nice. I feel like, the, um, and I, I think if you're the type of person that wants to look and see the positive, the graces around you, you'll see it. It is our human tendency to find negative and to mm-hmm. scour that and to totally. hold on to that. But really when I think about like, like, yeah. There's drama sometimes. They're like, oh, the stu- like petty things that we fall into that mm-hmm. um, 
that we make big deals out of little things in the workplace, whatever. But for the most part, when I reflect on it, like as you ask it, I realize there are just so many wonderful conversations that have come about with people who aren't church going, but want to talk to me, or even if like, we're not even talking about anything regarding church, but hopefully we have the light of Christ in conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, people who, you know, and St. Paul, like, will remind us of this, like, fruits of the Spirit are something to look for. And I feel there are people that might not be going to Mass, but I see the fruits of the Spirit and how they yeah. live. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it's nice to encounter that with other people. And I so, think like, people see that in you, and and I've had that it I think we've had that experience too when you're like, oh, people kind of see like there's a piece about this person. Like, what is that? I kind of want to understand that better. And we know that that's Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's that's something that people can see and like, oh, they have hope. They have peace. Yes. I want that. Like, what's what's going on there? Um, Absolutely. It's funny because I was thinking what I think of sometimes is sometimes with my friends. I hope they see like, I don't have it all together. Just yeah. because I'm pr- like, it's actually more indicative that I don't have it all together. That I'm like, praying more often. You know what I mean? this is why I need to so pray. So hopefully, because I know sometimes people have this perception of like, well, then if I'm praying, then I'm holier than that. And I'm like, no, no, right. no. I just like really need to like center it because I'm like all over the place. So um, yeah. yeah, I think that can be kind of funny. That's, That's yeah, so peaceful. cool. Hopefully peaceful too. Yeah. Um, and also like, yeah. I, like <laughs> and then I have people that like ask like something crazy happen. Someone's health got really bad in the show one time mm. and someone's like, hey, can you pray for us? Can you pray for this person? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's actually nice I have had those experiences when something really, because you're called in that moment. Yeah. Like, kind of tragic or deeply. Yeah. Difficult goes on in a cast. Then people kind of tend to like, um, seek out people who have that kind of groundedness. And yeah. like, yes. it it's interesting. I agree. Yeah. I wish I did not have to let you go. Unfortunately, the sun is setting here in Virginia. I so I need that. light. <laughs> My daughter is waking up from her nap, oh, so I have to go and get her. But mommy, do you want to say you want to say hi to the ladies? Hi. hi. Can I just have like one one more thought that I can yeah. really summarize? Is that okay if I say it? Because I just sure go for it. Do so it. I know we've talked a lot about being on Broadway. Like we've all had these amazing careers of of doing okay. national tours and being on Broadway. And I just want to say to everyone who's pursuing theater. Um, being on Broadway does is is not the the most fulfilling creative experience. Like I have had the most fun in shows that are not on Broadway that are not paid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want people to know that because it's a blessing that we've had these experiences. But I want to make sure people who are passionate about theater understand that if God does or doesn't have that plan for you, like God is going to give you beautifully creative, fulfilling experiences. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to do a show at some point in the future um, that I'm like not paid for, not paid a lot for, but just because I want to do it and I'm excited to be there and it's a six week run. And I just want to make sure people understand that um, because it's important to understand that. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely. Head, like, I gotta pay my bills. <laughs> your full career is that right now. But I understand. I understand exactly what it's you're true. saying. But I also understand people who are like, but but for real, I gotta make money. Um, but yes, like there's there's no um, uh, there's no art, and we know plenty plenty of extremely talented people who. Mm-hmm have not booked either Broadway or haven't even booked like the thing that they were so perfect for, that they were really close to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, 
it's just not indicative all the time of no. like success or whatever no, it's not. Because everybody who's in New York is talented. Yeah. Everybody, like, for the most part, has um, a, a space level of talent, which tends to be very high. And it just yeah. happens to be that not only are you the right height and you're the right voice type and you're the right weight and you have the right facial features yeah. and you can sing the right notes, but also that you happen to wear a pair of shoes that they liked. And so they remembered you at your audition. And so that's why you got your call back because there's a million other people who are also are right for that role. And it really yeah. does have so much to do with, um, like, so I, I think learning to take it less personally is yeah. super important yeah. and to recognize that like, a creative life can mean so many different things. And that's like what we always have to remember, like our voice. If we put our worth on this business, it's going to be like that. Well, which is happening. And our worth is in the Lord. A hundred percent. We are always having to remind ourselves that every day, no matter what yeah. journey we're yes. walking. Yeah. In any career. As in actors, any career. we really need to always yeah. remember that. Yes. Yeah. So, Amen. Thank God. you, ladies. These are amazing. amazing. Thank you for no, so much of your time. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Now, before we leave today, I want to thank Sarah Sawin, Liz Anderson, Chris Hartung, and Nicole Mattia. They have pledged to my Patreon community at the level of caffeinated champions. So thank you so much, wonderful new members. We have an amazing group over on Patreon. We have monthly video chats, which are always well attended and so much fun and so supportive. I want to invite you to join the Patreon community if you are looking for a virtual community. Um, I also post bi-weekly episodes of my secondary podcast, Coffee Sips. So if you want to join and get all of that, come on over to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a part of the community. So God bless you. Can't wait to have coffee with you again really soon.